Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Beer and Bayonets. Of course, I am your host, Mo. Tonight, we have a very special guest. You know, we all have our struggles. Pain and adversity are absolutely universal. But it's what we choose to do in the face of adversity that sets us apart. Uh, the Dalai Lama once said, pain is inevitable, suffering is optional. Right? My next guest is a true warrior in every sense of the word. He's a U.S. Army Special Forces operator, also known as a Green Beret, Purple Heart and Silver Star recipient, author, and the first amputee to ever redeploy on a Special Forces team to combat, complete the Special Forces Warrant Officer course, and the hellacious Combat Diver Qualification course. Ladies and gentlemen, Chief Warrant Officer 2, Nick Lavery. Chief, thank you for being here. Hey, brother. Good to spend some time together, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, no, I, I greatly appreciate your time, sir. Uh, I just just finished your book, uh, Objective Secure, a couple weeks ago, and uh, yeah, reached out, and I really appreciate it. And I got to tell you, Chief, I've never felt like such a piece of shit in my life uh, <laughs> until I finished this book. I'm like, <laughs> I haven't accomplished half of these things with two legs uh, that you've accomplished with, with one. Um, so I got to tell you, after I got over the self-pity, um, I was like, man, I really got to, I got to reach out to this guy, but sir, if you could just tell us a little bit about yourself, um, and maybe, you know, not, not necessarily a deep dive, but kind of the events that transpired, uh, back in 2013, uh, and just kind of how you got to this point, sir. Yeah, man. Um, you know, originally from Boston, Mass., which I just let I your audience tell. know now. Yeah, Although, I yeah, I'd say it's only a matter of time before people started to figure that out. <laughs> uh, you know, born and raised up north and, uh, you know, began looking at the military as a potential option when I was in high school. And the only thing that really stopped that from happening, I started getting recruited to play football in college. So okay. yeah. I ended up going that route. Nice. Uh, went to school. And then, you know, my sophomore year, was was 9-11 and you know i watched that happen live mm-hmm. as a 19 year old kid i just turned 19 the week prior you know just the amount of rage and anger that was coursing through my body was was pretty powerful so yep. I, I wanted to be part of what i knew would be a response to that and i really struggled to stay in school or, or going to get out and enlist and, and i went back and forth for weeks eventually decided to stay in school finish out my degree and then i began looking at options to to come in after I graduated in 2006, uh, came in on a special forces recruit contract option, otherwise known as an 18 X-ray contract. Yeah, sure. mm-hmm. So uh, went through that, and you know, after what ended up being you know a little over two years of training altogether, you know, basic training, airborne school, SOPC, selection, Q course, all all the things. Yeah. Ended up getting assigned to third group as an 18 Bravo, which are the weapons and tactics guys on the teams. Okay, yep. Did that. And then, you know, my third trip into Afghanistan in 2012 was when I would be wounded on three separate occasions. Uh, first time I took some shrapnel in the back of my shoulder. All right, mm-hmm. fine, no big deal. Yep. After that, took an AK 47 around in the face. Yeah, fine. I mean, after both of those incidents, I was. I was out of the fight for, you know, like three, four, five days or so. You know, got, right, got a from shot, the doctor. As a shot to the face will typically do to one. Yeah, man. You know, obviously I got really lucky. It's, I, I uh, know that that's not something you typically hear someone say. Right. You take a rifle around in the face and you're dead. 
So I got real lucky. It grazed my cheek. Um, it cracked my orbital bone, but um, comparatively to what was going on around me at the time, I was six of my friends were in a vehicle that was decimated by an IED and they were fighting for their lives. Yeah. So yeah. in context, what I was dealing with was literally a scratch right. compared to these guys. Right. So uh, with both of those, you know, I, I was out of the game about a week or so. And then fast forward to March of 2013, which is the same deployment. We were, we we're about to head home in a couple of weeks was when I was wounded for the third time. And this was the result of what we refer to as a green on blue, mm-hmm. which is a fancy way of saying an inside attack, meaning a, a guy that we had been working with turned against us. And as we were set to roll out on an operation, a member of the Afghan national police force jumped up on the back of a Ford Ranger pickup truck and unloaded into my friends and I using a PKM belt fed machine gun from about 25 feet away. And it just decimated the contingent 12 U S casualties in total, including three of which that were killed and another 10 or 11 or so Afghan casualties killed or wounded. So it's considered the most catastrophic insider attack that we know of. Yeah. And most of the damage to me was to my right leg, which was basically just ripped to shreds. Sure. Uh, subsequently, that would result in its amputation uh, well above the knee. And I'd spend a year at Walter Reed. And then I'd get back to my unit and had to fight the Army to stay on active duty status, sure. which that fight took about eight months, during which time I was working as an instructor. And then once I was cleared hot to stay in was when I began my, my journey to get back onto the detachment and yeah, man, we can dive wherever you want. Ultimately, as you kind of mentioned, I was successful doing that. I returned back to my ODA and I was back in Afghanistan about six weeks later and you know, not a whole lot has really changed since. Yes, sir. No, and that's, and that is just grazing the surface. I mean, y'all need to go uh, check out the book and get the, the full story. Um, yeah, I'll be honest with you, Chief. Um, I get a lot of people since I started the show telling me, "Hey, you got to read this book about this guy." And then I'm like, "Yeah, I'm okay. I'm not really into the whole look at me memoirs biography biography type mm-hmm. thing." But that is not what your book is whatsoever. Um, I really enjoyed reading the way it was structured and how you apply more ethos and military strategy to anyone, really, because us. That's, that's really why I started this show to begin with uh it's just to ex- show everyone successful people are successful in any industry and it's not it's not the uniform or the job that makes you that person is these inherent traits that we have some people are just too dumb to quit some people are just refuse to die right and you're an, an example of that uh, a perfect example of that. uh Hey, I'm glad you bring that up, man, because that's actually, and I'm in your same boat, and I read a lot, and I've read, I don't know, dozens of, you know, military memoirs types, type books, yeah. and whether it's talking about, you know, a specific deployment or an individual's career and like a series of kind of holy shit combat stories, and some of them are wild. And no, absolutely. Like, wow, this yeah. is some amazing stuff. You know, I've read so many at this point that just like what you said, it's kind of I've kind of lost interest yeah. in consuming that kind of information and storytelling. But I'm, and I'm glad you bring this up because it's it's probably the most consistent piece of negative feedback I get 
about Objective Secure, about my book, is that people almost assume, regardless of the subtitle, regardless of what's on the back cover, regardless of the description of it, many will assume that it's kind of one of those like war story type books. And like you just mentioned, that's absolutely not what that project is about at all. Sure. There are specific kind of vignettes and small stories and examples for some of the things I experienced that are in the text, but those, those are there just to give the reader a little bit of context as to what I was going through at the time when I realized that this principle or this tool or this philosophy or whatever was valuable. And when I realized it was valuable or how I employed X, Y, Z to get through this particular event. And that's something I'm, I'm, I'm incredibly you know, proud of because sure, I, I've been through some wild shit and I could you know, tell that story in vivid detail. And perhaps at some point I'll be inspired to do so. But when I sat down to write something, it was about providing the end user with a tangible and practical tool that they could take regardless of their industry or hobby or goal or ambition and apply those methodologies the way you and I do as service members to whatever they're trying to do. Because like you just said, man, regardless of the sector or what it is you're driving towards, there are some common themes that exist yep. amongst winners, yep. amongst people that win, 100%. whether they're the greatest ever or they just win with consistency. There are some common themes yep. and these themes and trends are ones that we leverage in the military and particularly mm-hmm. in special operations yep. to solve complex problems. Because at the end of the day, that's really what we're trying to do. We're trying to solve difficult that's problems yep. and there is no such thing as a difficult problem without adversity. So they go hand in hand. And that was the intent, and that still very much is the goal. So I'm glad you brought that up, man. I appreciate it. Oh, of course, sir. Yeah, I, absolutely. Like I said, I, I was guilty of it at first until I started actually listening to it. And I was like, oh, this is actually really interesting. So, yeah, like like you said, right, it's almost that that it's assumed now that, you know, oh, the special operations guy, this is his memoirs. You know, it's like – you know, it's like the typical trifecta, like, oh, you, you're in the special operations. Oh, you got a podcast, a knife making company and a tactical sh- consultant company on the side. Right. Like my wife clowns me all the time. She's like, hey, when's your shooting instructor day started? Like, listen, calm down. All right. This is. But the whole reason I started this podcast is this is not. Yes, I've had military members uh, as guests like yourself on here, but this is a success driven podcast. Right. It's just to help people be more successful. And one of the things you bring up in your book is, like you, um, just like yourself, sir, I read a lot, and I have never heard the concept. Uh, you know, everyone, to some degree, it's normal, whether you're, you know, uh, whatever your industry is, being successful, fear of failure is normal. It's common. Everybody feels it. And yet it doesn't matter what it is, right? Getting nervous, having a little bit of stress, that is a physiological response to something unknown, right? Everyone fears failure at some point, but you talk about the fear of success. Can you elaborate a little bit on that topic, sir? Yeah. And and you make some great points and it's absolutely accurate. And that, that is, that is in us as humans by design. Fear is there on purpose and it's there as a means to protect us. That's why we have fear. It's an essential aspect of us as humans that triggers an alert in our brain to notify us of a potential threat or pending danger. So it's on purpose. So this idea of no fear 
is ridiculous. And yes, there is an extremely, if you want to get real scientific, there's an extremely rare condition that I've looked up and it's got 1800 words in it. But there is a condition where human beings based because of a malfunction in their neurology actually don't feel fit, feel fear. Huh. That is, you're talking 0.000x percent, right? Yeah. And they're broken. And it's an anomaly. And it's a problem. Right? Right. There's, there's a deficiency with right. the way their brain functions right. because it's inherent into our survival. That's why fear exists. Sure. As you mentioned, fear of failure is incredibly common. Yep. In most instances, that is driven by the fear of embarrassment or self-doubt or criticism. That That's what the fear usually is related sure. to. It's not usually related to like physical injury. It's the fear of judgment and ridicule and embarrassment externally driven. That's where the fear originates from. Absolutely. Fear of success is, is the exact same thing. Only instead of getting it wrong, it's, oh my gosh, what if I make it and I can't handle it? But what if I bit off more than I can chew and I, more than I can chew and I actually make it? I just don't have what it takes to stay there. Mm-hmm. So, in, in many ways, you, it, it's, it's very similar because the fear is that I am successful, but then I fail after the fact, right? I make it, but then I'm fearful of what might happen if I don't have what it takes to stay on top of the mountain. Yeah. And when I think of fear, whether it's fear of success or fear of failure, because they're intimately related, it's two words. And the words are what if. Mm-hmm. Now, what if is a powerful term. Uh, it can be used for greatness and it can be used as an absolute catastrophe. What if that question, when it comes from our brain, which again has a security system built into it, and that's when you get that alert. And that's where most people are asking that question from. It's what if I fail? What if I fall? What if I don't make it? What if I do make it and I can't stay there? Fear, 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 yeah. right? It's the negative, it's the potential negative outcome of the task happening. Well, you can also choose to ask yourself the same exact question, but rather than coming from your brain, it's coming from your heart. You're saying, well, what if I actually make it? And what if I can stay there? And you start, you play that game and you go down that route. Oh, yeah. How will my life change for the good if I go through with it and I actually somehow pull off a fucking miracle or I make it happen, regardless of how ridiculous it may seem or how far-fetched it may look what if i actually do it it's the same question you're just framing it from two different places Mm -hmm. one is coming from your brain as a defense mechanism which is delivered by virtue of fear the other is the same question coming from your heart or coming from your soul and that's driven from the direction of potential of ambition same question you know so when I find myself in those moments, which I do almost daily, whether it's I'm getting under the squat bar to, to go for a new personal record, or I'm getting in front of an audience to do a keynote of 2,000 people on a topic that, you know, I, I'm not quite as comfortable as I'd like to be. Right. You know, the what if question comes in. What, what if you crumble under this bar? Yep. Or what if you get up there and you forget what you want to say? Okay, that that's scary. Uh, I don't like that. But also, I ask the same question. But what if you do it and you pull it off and you change the lives of 2,000 people you're talking to? Yeah. What if? Yeah. It's the same question, man. And we own the keys. We decide 
which way we want to ask that question. That's awesome. I love that. Yeah, that was that was probably one of the most impactful concepts of this book. I was just, yeah, like, and all you're doing exact same words like you said, Chief. You're just changing the origin, right? The origin. Where is it originating from? Now you said, what if I pull it off? What do you have to lose, right? Go for it and get after it because you never know. Right? You miss 100 percent of the shots you don't take, right, Michael Jordan? Boom. You know, well said. So nah, that's awesome, Chief. I appreciate it. So another thing you talk about. And I, unfortunately, have experienced this to some degree, uh, probably not to your level, but I have been in situations like yourself where I knew this was it. Uh, uh, I was in a deployment a couple years ago. Things got really sketchy. Uh, I'm not going to go into the details just because I can't, but I literally, so being a comms guy on the team, I had a sat phone and iridium that by miracle of God actually worked that day. Uh, but got to the point where I called my wife and essentially said my goodbyes. Like that's, that's how committed we knew this was it. Um, we were just waiting for the end. Yeah. When by grace of God, two dudes on an OP with, uh, uh, M249 machine gun, uh, 81 millimeter mortar, and a couple of M4s, uh, and a couple of long rifles were able to hold off a contingent of 20 plus dudes that were that were honed in on our location. Like they knew where we were at, they had nods, they were coming to our location, and our closest buddies were on another OP a couple of hours away. So. Like, we just knew it. Like, like, well, this is it. Well, fuck it. We had a good run, right? Um, and I ain't no quitter. But you got to be a realist, right? You got 20-plus dudes within a couple of clicks of your location. Your buddies, as much as they want to get there as fast as humanly possible or a couple hours away, it's physics, right? Like, two against 20, probably not going to make it. Thank God we did. But that brought up a point of... Once that and a few other things that happened, uh, I felt like I was on borrowed time. Mm. And life just takes on a different connotation when you're on borrowed time. And I know I know you can relate, Chief, so if you could just expand a little bit on that. like, Because I know there's somebody out there right now hating their life. They feel like there's no point in going on. You know, their, their life doesn't mean anything, and I can assure you. Life is a gift. Every day mm-hmm. above ground is a good day. So, Chief, go ahead, please. Yeah, man. Um, you know, when you get that close to death, as I've been, as you've been, a lot of war fighters have been, yeah. it's, it does provide you the gift of perspective. Yep. And through that gift of perspective allows you to deploy gratitude much easier moving forward. Oh yeah. And I think that if there was ever a secret sauce, you know, everyone everyone wants like the magic pill, right? Like give me yeah. like the thing. What's the what's the nugget? Give me the give me the golden rule or give me like the one thing that's gonna you know slingshot me into the stratosphere. Well I don't think that, that that exists. I would say that that gratitude is certainly in the conversation of what that magic powder what that magic pill might be and the ability to 
deploy that and wield that and weaponize gratitude at your disposal just as efficiently as an operator is with an M4 or a Glock. Like you're that proficient and you can get on target and and send rounds, those rounds being gratitude that fast. When you can do that, man, it opens up just this whole nother dimension of capability. And when you're that close to death, I think that perspective gives you the tool to wield gratitude with that level of efficiency. And, you know, you're right. And you can look at, you can look at life a hundred thousand different ways. Mathematically, the fact that you're you and I am me right now is as close to the definition of a miracle as it gets. Meaning something that is essentially impossible without divine intervention. Statistically, just mathematically, that's the likelihood of us being us. So, while I'm a spiritual person and I continue to get stronger with my faith, this is just science. Yes, this Absolutely. is just pure mathematics. Yep, 100%. So from a mathematical perspective, you being you, me being me, is a, a gift times a thousand, yep. times a million. It really, it almost shouldn't happen. Yep. You have a better likelihood mathematically of winning the lottery over a hundred times in a single lifetime than you do being you. And this is, again, this is just math. That's crazy. So (laughs) if you see, if you, if you, if you take that information for the truth that is and say, okay, well shit, like statistically, this is a gift. And I'm defining the odds just by me existing the way I am right now. And you couple that with being as close to death as some of us have been. Mm -hmm. And you see firsthand just how fast it can end, man, like that becomes a tool. And you know, this ride that we're on here, bro, like it's going to end. Okay. Yeah. Like there are very few certainties we have in this world. One of them, at least for now is that this life will end. Yep. So it's going to end. Yep. So if you know, if you, now if you couple those three things together, I really shouldn't exist the way I am. Life can end at a moment's notice. Mm-hmm. And this is a ride that will end. You take those three facts, those three realities that can enable you. Many of us, again, if we choose to live this gift to its fullest. I mean, this is not a dress rehearsal, bro. Right? You know this. I know this. Many out there don't know this. Many take this for granted. Many take this ride that we're on for granted. And I understand why. It's a difficult thing to conceptualize. But this ain't a dress rehearsal. You got one shot at this. And my question to those that are maybe struggling to figure out the purpose or why or this sucks is, Knowing those three things, why not go at this game hot, right? Like, why not leave it all out on the field? Really? Like, what do you actually have to lose? Because you're going to die. The the game will end. In the meantime, why not go at it full speed, 100 miles an hour, and drive towards whatever it is that is is bringing curiosity, passion, purpose – a sense of identity, whatever that thing or things are, what is stopping you? Why not go after it? Because really, what do you have to lose? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, well said, Chief. I appreciate it. I mean, shit. On that note, <laughs> um, hey, sir, I just want to thank you again for being uh, on the show. It's is an honor to have you here, and thank you for spending your time and um, sharing your advice and, and words of wisdom with our audience. Um, like I say every time, you know, I, I didn't even want to start this podcast, um, but I've gotten so much 
overwhelming support from people that are out there that are just hungry for knowledge and words of wisdom that like people like yourself can provide. So I just continue to do it, and I appreciate you, sir. Uh, big shout-out to uh, Team Machine. Uh, we will link. Sorry if you're good with it. I'd like to link your book on our website so people can uh, uh, can go ahead and pick it up, uh, both on hardcover as well as Audible. Uh, if you guys haven't checked it out, Objective Secure on Audible. It's really cool the way uh, Chief Laver and his buddy Joe did this. It's almost like a podcast style while reading the book. Uh, it's actually really entertaining. So go check it out. But yes, sir, thank you so much for being on the show. I appreciate it, brother. I appreciate your service. Congrats on the podcast initiative. I know it looks and seems easy as an outsider, and I also know it's anything but. So I applaud you. Yeah, <laughs> thanks, Chief. Yeah, man, it's hot, and, uh, really and and you're getting after it. And I can assure you that you are making an impact, man. So I applaud you. I, I appreciate you. what you're doing. I appreciate you inviting me on, brother. Thank you, sir. All right, folks, take care. Be your